0: It's an awesome gift to be in Faith Covenant Church this morning and to join you for worship. Um, Thank you, Gene, for a perfect children's sermon uh, for where I'm heading. Thank you, Rob, for your wonderful quote. Um, I have another one I want to share in a couple minutes from your dad. Um, I want to thank you, Faith Covenant Church, for being an awesomely generous church. What does that say? A community of generosity. You are profoundly a community of generosity. Uh, You're superstars in terms of supporting uh, not only the ministry you do here in this community, but supporting ministries all around the world, here in the Central Conference and through the Covenant Church all around the world. Uh, It's really, really inspiring and really great. Um, I tell you it's really fun to talk about generosity with a generous people. (laughs) And one of my prayers is that what I share this morning uh, will be an encouragement for you who are way down the road in this journey, but it will be also an encouragement for you who are maybe taking some first steps in a a journey of personal generosity. Uh, It's really a great gift to be with Pastor Nate this morning. Uh, Very grateful for the energy and excitement I feel here. Uh, it's an encouragement really an encouragement um, I'm surrounded in this church by a, 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 a lo- number of folks I don't know but I'm also surrounded with some of the heroes of the faith as far as I'm concerned and I'm not going to name all the names but I'm really grateful for the faithfulness represented in this body which is so amazing and so wonderful um, Thank you. Uh, particularly, I'll say this again when uh, I give a, a, when we do Sunday school afterwards. But thank you for um, running the Global 6K, uh, the work on the ground, uh, the comprehensive development work in the city of Gemena, Northwest Congo, that you supported with that run. It's just awesome. Uh, it's just it's just spectacular. A couple of really exciting things. But I'm not going to take time to go into all of that. But it's just great. And I just want to say you've taken the offering envelopes and uh, cans for Covenant World Relief. Uh, the Clausens are here. I was with Niels and Erica, their children, uh, in Mexico this September, seeing the work of Covenant World Relief. It is so good. Holistic, healthy, Christ-centered ministry. Powerful stuff. And again, Rob, thank you for sharing. It's, it's awesome. So I'm talking today about our intentional engagement with the astounding abundance and the astounding generosity of our God. And uh, I have a quote, it's another quote from your dad, Rob. Um, Nancy from your late husband. When he said that, this is what the quote that I remember, he said for his grandchildren Uh, Jerry Reed, one of the great disciples and evangelists of the covenant. He said for his grandchildren, I want you to pursue God's best for your life, no matter what the cost. I want you to pursue God's best for your life, no matter what the cost. I can't imagine a better gift to give to grandchildren than that statement. The text that we're looking at today is from Paul, and he starts it out by saying, every time we think of you, we thank God for you. Day and night, you're in our prayers. As we call to mind your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope in following our master, Jesus Christ. Will you please pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, it's, it's all about the work of your Holy Spirit in our lives, and it's all about... Your living word that speaks, through which you speak. So Lord God, give us an intention to listen to you. uh, An intention to hear you in our hearts as you speak to us. Uh, For we ask it in Christ's name, amen. So Paul does in this text, and by the way, I thank you for reading this in the message. Eugene Peterson recently passed away. This is a paraphrase, So it's not scripture per se, but it's an interpretation of scripture. It's a paraphrase. But Eugene Peterson, in his brilliance, captures some of this text brilliantly. And what he's doing in this text, uh, Paul is writing to the Thessalonican church that he planted, that he started. And he's writing to uh, to the people of that church. And he is falling all over himself to praise them for their steps of faith in following Jesus Christ. And the whole first 10 verses, he's just laying out all of the ways in which he's grateful for their faithfulness to God. He says, um, the Holy Spirit put steel in your convictions. He says, the Holy Spirit has put his hand on you for something special. He says, um, I don't actually have to say anything anymore because your lives, as you follow Christ, mean that you have become the message of the gospel yourselves. You are embodying the good news of Jesus Christ in the way that you live. And Paul starts off this whole section with this interesting phrase. He says, every time we think of you, we thank God for you. Day and night, you're in our prayers as we call to mind your work of faith. Work of faith. I want to say that that phrase is a little bit of a puzzle. Because for people who believe that the Bible is the authoritative word of God, as we say in the covenant, the only perfect rule for faith, doctrine, and conduct, we've been told all of our lives since we started this journey of walking toward or with Christ, that this gift of God's love in Jesus Christ, this reality of forgiveness, this power of healing of our wounds, this promise of eternal life, this gift of salvation is not by works. As if somehow by being good enough or fast enough or, or strong enough or wise enough, we could earn this amazing reality of God's love in Christ it's not by works I mean Paul nails that in Ephesians not by works so that no one can boast it's a gift it's not our trust in what I do what we do it's our trust in what Christ on the cross and in the resurrection has done for us not by work Aren't you glad? (laughs) I mean, isn't that amazing? That you don't have to wonder whether you've done enough, whether you've been faithful enough, whether you've been good enough even, but that it's your trust in Christ and what he's done for you. This amazing good news. It's a gift, it's grace, it's blessing. So if that's true, and we believe it, one, in the world is a work <laughs> of faith? I mean, don't those words, they don't really don't belong together, do they? It's not by works, it's by faith. Aren't isn't that an oxymoron, two words that don't go together? You know, like You know, like jumbo shrimp? <laughs> or if you have my unfortunate heritage, Norwegian extrovert. Y'all know where I'm going. Where I'm going is obvious. Work of faith is not an oxymoron. It's not two words that don't go together. It's this incredible marriage of God's saving work in Christ through our faith in Jesus and the reality that God loves us so much that he does not simply work on us as passive robots, but that he calls us to actively follow him in the discipleship of our lives so that we participate in the transformation the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. It's the fact that God is at work everywhere in Jesus all the time. Amen? There is no person in your life so far away from the Lord. There is no situation in your life that is so intractable that Jesus is not already there and already at work. But my Lord, we get invited to join Jesus in the work and the lives of those people. As Rob is engaged in planting churches in Barcelona, Each of us is engaged in the difficult people to love in our lives, in children we care for, in in situations in our community, in at-risk kids. We have this privilege of joining Jesus in the work that Jesus is doing to make all things new. And finally, it's this marriage between the reality that Jesus sets us free from all the things in this earth that would bind us. Amen? And there are so many things that want to take away our freedom. But work of faith means that we actually participate in our steps of obedience and discipleship so that the Holy Spirit has access to our lives to set us free and liberate us. I don't know about you, my journey of liberation is slow. (laughs) It takes a long time. And the things that want to hold me, hold me hard. But we get to engage in works of faith. Works of faith, not an oxymoron, not a contradiction. Works of faith are things we do, actual, concrete steps of following Jesus Christ in our lives. And this is the most important part. Work we do not in order to earn God's love, but because in Christ we're already loved more than we can ever imagine. More than we can ever imagine. It's all grace. It's all grace. It's all grace. But we get to join the parade of what Jesus is doing in our lives and in the world. And I have a conviction about this, about work of faith. Two of them. The first conviction is that almost... well. I have a hard time figuring this out exactly, but every blessing in my life, almost every blessing is from God through other people's works of faith. It's the people who loved me when I was a kid and I wasn't easy to love. It's the people who loved me when I was going in directions I shouldn't have been going and people challenged me because they loved me. It was people who mentored me, who, who, who were my youth pastors and, and camp directors. And it was all of the amazing people that God brought into my life. Their works of faith are the means of blessing in my life. Almost every blessing is from God because somebody else took a step of faith that blessed me. The second conviction I have is that although everything Jesus gives is a gift, it's pretty hard to grow in faith. Thank you, Gene. pretty hard to grow in faith if I don't step into that pool, right? If I don't jump into the pool, I'm never going to find out that God can grab me and hold me
1: and that he's there
0: and that he never lets go. So, Every blessing is from someone else's work of faith. That means work of faith is the game changers in this world. God is at work through those works of faith and that's where we grow. Again, we don't earn that growth, but I believe that when we take steps of faith, we actually open our lives to the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit can do His transforming work from the inside out. From the inside out. So I want to talk about a work of faith this morning. Everything you do in following Jesus Christ is a work of faith. Singing in the choir this morning, teaching Sunday school, working with at-risk kids, loving a difficult person at work, all of those, all of those are works of faith. I want to talk about one of the toughest ones, one of the toughest challenges in our culture and in our world, and that's the work of faith of generosity and i want to talk about it in three ways there are lots of rooms in this text these first 10 verses of thessalonians it's like a mansion with many rooms i just want to explore three of them and the three rooms i'm exploring is first of all generosity the work of faith of serious proportional first fruits giving is an extravagant gift to us it is not a burden it's a gift The second room I want to explore is that it is the path to growing into the person I most want to be. And the last one is really critical. This path of giving is a path that liberates us from all the things that would take away our freedom in life. And so first of all, the work of faith of giving, it's a gift. Paul says, it is clear to us friends that God not only loves you very much, but that God has put his hands on you for something special. Walter Person was the former president of the Covenant Church of Sweden. He would say about things like that, isn't it enormous? Isn't that enormous? The God of the universe, the God of creation, he put his hand on you, your life, for something special. This work of faith, God calls us to. He calls us to enter into the work of faith of giving serious first fruits, proportional giving of all that God gives to us because He loves us so much. Because He so desires for us to be on the journeys that allow Him to bless us so deeply. My dad had a quote that I've never forgotten and held on to my whole life. He said the best thing, short of introducing someone to Jesus Christ, is to teach them how to give. Teach them how to give. By the way, giving isn't latent. It's not built into us. Watch (laughs) three-year-olds. Watch three-year-olds with a group of toys. Giving isn't built in. It has to be learned. It has to be learned. It has to be taught. Um, one of the best gifts you can ever give is to teach people to give. Givers actually have all the fun. I've been watching people for a long time. And it's the people on the gift and on the road of generosity that are the most joyful, happy, at peace people I've ever seen. i got to believe that somewhere in this world there are some grouchy tithers. There must be. I just never met one. And I'm serious. This journey of giving liberates joy in our lives. I was talking to a woman and you know, one of the things I do is I raise money for the mission and ministry of the covenant. I raise money for missionaries and for uh, planting new churches and all of the things we do together. And so I talked to really generous people and I was talking to this woman her husband had passed away about three years before. And she was talking about the journey that she and her husband had been on to not only give generously to their church, but giving really generously to other mission and ministries. And she said to me, you know, I've, and my, my husband's been gone for three years, and, and I have to admit I'm kind of ticked at him. I said, oh, okay, well, I, I suppose I want to hear about this. Why are you, you kind of ticked at your husband? And she said, well, we always decided where to give the money together. We always made all those decisions together. But she said, you know, he was the one who wrote all the checks. He sat down and actually handled the books and wrote all the checks to, like the check to Covenant Mission and Ministry and the checks to some of the ministries we supported in our town and obviously the checks to church. And she said, He never told me how much fun it was to write those checks. (laughs) Giving is a discipline. It's work. Remember, it's called a work of faith, right? You actually have to plan what you're going to give out of what God gives to you for the year. For some of you, that's complicated. It's an up and down thing, right? You actually have to plan to put God first and to write those checks before you write the other's checks, which is that whole life of trust. It's work, but as you do the work and as you lean into the work, you find out there is so much joy. You learn that there's freedom in giving, that it cuts a great big hole out of your fear and anxiety around money. Givers are the joyful ones because they've discovered that the journey of the work of faith of giving brings so much joy. They've gotten out of being stuck in the landscape of I want and I need and instead living into this wonderful place of just look at what God has given to me. Out of the tents of resentment and fear and into the tents of, look at the enormous ways I've been blessed. I was with Dr. Cindy Hoover in Oaxaca, Mexico, a number of years ago. And she said there was something I really wanted you to see. So she took us to the outskirts of Oaxaca. And you folks have been there. And they took us to a shanty town. It was a, it was a landfill and not the kind of landfills we have here with all kind of environmental protections, but just a mountain of garbage with dirt put over it. But it was open land and it was near the city, so it was close to jobs, and so it completely filled up with people right over this landfill. And they lived in these corrugated steel uh, huts. If they were really wealthy, they got some concrete and made a concrete floor, but it was a shantytown of these corrugated huts, and there was a little church planted right in the center of it. And Dr. Hoover told us a story. She said, I visited a young mom without a husband. She had two little kids, and she invited me to her home for dinner in this shantytown. And she said, she gave us the best she had. She gave me the best she had. And then she said, when I lost it, when I lost it, is when she turned to her kids and she said, we are so blessed. Look at what we have to eat. And there are children who don't have enough. I want to say that stewards, people who have learned to give, People who are on the journey of regular sacrificial first fruits giving are people who are joyful in a shantytown in Oaxaca, Mexico. Because their giving opens their eyes to the enormous generosity of God. The gospel is amazing. People who give get to see more and more of the wonder of the incarnation. More and more of the wonder of Christ's life. More and more of the wonder that he went to the cross for us. More and more of the power of the resurrection. People who give believe the gospel is unbelievably good news. He died for us. They're like Paul on the road to Damascus knowing that the hammer's gonna fall. I mean just knowing the hammer's gonna fall. And instead, having Christ say, I want you on my side, I want you on my team, and discovering love clear through. Stewards are the ones who discover the sheer lunatic joy that, as Paul says, everything, 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 everything we need is already given to us in Christ Jesus. The work of faith. I just want to tell you something. It's not a burden. It's the most wonderful gift, but it is work. It's a work of faith. The second thing is that God's invitation to engage in the work of faith is a path for us to grow. Here's what Paul says to the Thessalonians. You paid careful attention to the way we lived among you and determined to live that way yourself. In imitating us, you imitated the gospel. You determined to imitate the way we live. I give today for a very simple reason. My wife gives, uh, we give together really for the same reasons, and that is that when we were little kids, our parents taught us how to give. We were taught it was an amazing gift. And one thing I remember particularly is that when I was a little kid and I'd go to Sunday school uh, in Minneapolis at Elam Covenant Church, I would... Um, they would give me a dime or 20 cents to put in the offering plate for Sunday school because I was learning to give when I was very little. Giving was a part of what I was taught to do. But I remember the first time when I was in middle school that I actually mowed a lawn and got paid for it. First time in my life I made money. I mean, other than things that my parents had, you know, maybe paid for some little chore or something. But I actually, for somebody else, mowed a lawn and came home with... You know, two bucks in my hot hands, and I just was so excited. Two bucks actually was a lot of money. (laughs) I hate to admit back then. And I remember my dad saying, this is so cool. You know, usually when you put money in the offering plate, it's money we give you. But now you can give 20 cents, 10% of the money you made yourself. You can give to God out of the work of your hands. They got me on the journey of giving early in life, giving first to God, not going out and buying the model airplanes I had in my head, but giving to God first and living off of what was left. I wanna tell you something about that journey throughout our lives. That journey for Sally and I has been absolutely central in our walk of faith because especially when our kids were little and we were living on one income and we lived in the wealthiest um, county in the United States and the cost of living was enormous. um, What we discovered is that our giving gave us not only Faith in God, but practical faith, living faith, and working faith for the toughest challenges of life. We found that because we put for God first, we actually found out that he could carry our weight and we could trust in him. For Sally and I, it gave us not just saving faith, but living faith, working faith, and practical faith for the toughest challenges of life. The work of faith of giving, it's a gift from God. It's a way to grow in Christ. It's really hard to grow in Christ if we don't take steps where we're actually trusting him. But the third thing is it sets us free. And here's what Paul writes. Paul writes, you deserted the dead idols of your old life so you can embrace and serve God, the true God. I wanna tell you something. The dead idols are everywhere. The dead idols are all the things we we are constantly tempted to put our trust in other than God. The dead idols is clout and power and prestige and place and privilege. And most of all, this incredibly powerful dead idol called money. The world says, put these things first or you won't have a good life. Jesus says, put me first through your giving, sharing, serving, and caring. And you will defeat the dead idols of this world. Walter Brueggemann has an incredible statement. He calls the dead idols of this world the gods of scarcity. The dead idols are the gods of scarcity. If you put your trust in things, I want to promise you something there will never be enough. If you put your trust in things, in money, in possessions, in stuff, there will never be enough. You will live in a world of scarcity and anxiety and fear as long as you put your trust in the dead idols of this world. The dead idols are tyrants. But when we enter into the work of faith, to trust God with especially this enormously powerful reality in our lives called money and actually decide that money, that God is more important and trusting him first, is going to order our lives. It breaks the power of the dead idols of this world to take away our freedom. And we live in what Paul calls the glorious freedom of the children of God. It comes through the work of faith. It comes through the work of faith. The work of faith, it's a gift. It's a pathway to growth, to becoming to look more and more like Jesus. And it's especially a pathway to living fully into our freedom in Christ. But it's work. It's a discipline. It's a step of faith. I like to call it a spiritual practice. You know, for me, it's not about guilt and ought and should. And by the way, aren't you glad it's a work of faith instead of a work of should? Or a work of must? Or a work of guilt? Or what if Paul said it's a work of fear? You better get it right, or God will get you. But it's this amazing thing. It's a work of faith. It's trust in the God who holds us and carries us and will not let us go. And we do it out of freedom. We take steps of faith that we choose to do to taste and see that the Lord is good and to find out he's trustworthy and he's faithful and he's the one who holds our lives. Years ago, a name that many of you are going to know, a Christian layman. Very generous man named Paul Brandel used to teach stewardship to Christian churches, to covenant churches. And he used to uh, go and, and give this talk on stewardship, and he was very effective, and he talked about his own witness of his life. And he gave his talk at a covenant church, and at the end of the time, he shared a businessman. You know, in those days, it was a suit and tie, and the guy looked very proper and very stern. And it was clear there were two things about this guy after Paul Brandel gave his talk. The first one is that he was convinced that giving was a part of that journey he ought to be on. Serious, proportional giving. But the second thing that was clear is he didn't like it. (laughs) He wasn't happy about it. And in a give-me-the-bottom-line kind of voice, he came up to Paul and said, well, tell me, How much do I have to give? And Paul looked at him and said, How happy do you want to be? (laughs) When I talk about this thing, you know, American Christians give about 1.5% of their income. We're the wealthiest nation in the history of the world. American Christians give about 1.5%. Evangelical Christians, the ones who claim that Christ is everything in their life and that everything is a gift from God, give about 3.5%. Tell me that money isn't powerful. When believers can't trust in God enough to put God first and give sacrificially and, and powerfully in proportion to what God is giving to them. But we have this gift of deciding that When people look at the church of Jesus Christ, they're gonna say, you know what is amazing about those believers? They're incredibly generous people. My goodness, they're the ones who support the kids' programs. They're the ones who are supporting the things that matter in our community. They're the ones who are making a difference in our country. Those are the ones because they have learned to trust in God with this powerful thing called money. The Apostle Paul says every time we think of you we thank God for you. Day and night you're in our prayers as we call to mind your work of faith your labor of love and your patience of hope in following our Master Jesus Christ. You only have one life to live. I encourage you to live it rich. <laughs> rich In giving. It's the greatest journey. It is one of the most wonderful ways of following Jesus Christ you'll ever discover. And all of those gifts are yours in him. Amen.